0: What a joy it is to be saved. Amen. amen. You're glad you're saved. Say man? And I'm humbled and honored to be here. It's been on my radar to get back here for some time. And I just want you to know there's a buzz going around the nation on what's happening down here at Bible Baptist. And I just want to see what the buzz is all about. Amen. And I know what it's all about. And I'm just so thrilled to be here with you. Let me say before I start how much I appreciate your prayers. It has been an interesting three years or so for me. I've never been sick before in my life. And I used to say that everywhere I go, I said, I don't get sick. My wife would, she'd get strep and I'd just kiss all on her and not get nothing. And uh, it run, other stuff run through the house. And so I was preaching in Philadelphia three or so years ago. And and I got back home for church on a Wednesday and preached there. And then I got the next morning, was headed to Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And I told my wife, let's go. She had packed the night before and said she was going. And she got, she got in the bathroom that morning and locked herself in and said, I just don't think we should go. And I said, honey, what in the world? She says, this thing called COVID out there. And I said, honey, I ain't going to get no COVID. I don't get sick. And so I coaxed her into going, I really did, and she she begrudgingly went, and we rode down North Winston-Salem, and I preached it Thursday night, Friday morning, I felt a little funny, I went to the doctor, and, and they took my temperature, it looked like I had a fever, and then they took it again, and said, you don't have a fever, and then, have you been out the country, you have respiratory issues, have you been around anybody that's sick, no, 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 and I said, I'm preaching tonight, and I'm sick. I sure don't want to be preaching. And the doctor said, oh, no, you're fine. No problem at all. You should be fine. And the nurse, bless her heart, sweet young lady, and I got to the back, and I was talking to her. I said, I, you know, you think I'm sick? And she was a black girl, sweet girl. And she, she looked at me, and she said, she rubbed her skin, and she said, we don't get COVID. And that's what she said. <laughs> I found out later I must not be we. <laughs> and uh, so I went to church, preached Friday night, and we left immediately after. We were very precautious. And Saturday morning we went to Cracker Barrel, went to Salem, went home. I went to the barber shop. I got situated for Sunday and prepared. We canceled Sunday school. I preached Sunday morning. Joseph Haberdank was scheduled to be with us Sunday night. Joseph, a friend of mine, we had advertised it all over the area. And Everybody's going to come, and, and uh, the governor got on the news that afternoon and said all gatherings of 100 or more have been canceled, so we were a part of that 100 or more, so we canceled, told church we canceled, I called Joseph, said we canceled, sorry, it's out of our control, and I told my wife, I said, this thing will blow over in a couple days, we'll be back in business, and our lives will just be as normal as they've ever been. And I, I tried to go to bed that night, and I couldn't. I had this massive headache. And uh, so I did what any man would do if he couldn't go to bed. I went downstairs on the couch, and I turned on Matlock. And uh, <laughs> I just uh, washed it all night long. Couldn't sleep. And then Monday morning my anniversary, and I went out to the store, and I bought flowers. And we decided not to go out to eat because of the situation. I thought I'll feel better. Tuesday morning, I went to the doctor. And the doctor said, you got something viral, just go home and rest. So I've been to a clinic, now I've been to the doctor. Now I'm home, I'm still on that couch. And Wednesday morning, I'm on the couch, I wake up and I feel something funny in my chest. So I picked up my phone and called my wife upstairs. She didn't hear the phone, so I walked upstairs and said, honey, something's wrong with my chest. She said, well, are you having breathing problems? I said, I don't know. I said, you know you're blessed when you don't even know what sick feels like. (laughs) And uh, so she said, well, maybe we should go to the hospital. So we got in the car and we drove to the hospital and I went to the back and they took scans and they, they said, you have pneumonia. But we can treat your pneumonia at home. So we'll give you an antibiotic here and then you'll take the rest of it at home. And if you feel worse, you come back. So I've been to the clinic, I've been to the doctor, I've been to the hospital. And everybody told me, you'll be fine. So I went back home, and I wasn't fine. And uh, I started shaking with chills and this, that, and the other. And so I said, honey, I'm cold, but it's not cold in this room. I said, well, get me some hot water in the bathtub, and I'm going to get in the bathtub and cool down. I found out if your body's hot, you're not supposed to get in a warm bathtub. But I didn't go to medical school, so nobody told me that. <laughs> so I got in the well, I couldn't get out. I was so weak. So she pulled me out and I lay on my bed and she said I was gasping and she said, you need to go to the hospital. I said, I don't need to go to the hospital. I'm fine. She said, you go in the hospital. I said, yes ma'am. <laughs> and, uh, so went to the hospital and I, I, I stumbled into the room where the triage was leaning on the wall and they took my temperature it was 105 and they said, we're going to admit you and then somebody, somebody came up with a bright idea. We're going to test you for COVID. And uh, so they took me in. The doctor said my lungs had deteriorated in a matter of hours that normally takes days. So I had pneumonia in both of my lungs. And They rushed me in the hospital room. And I'll never forget, they looked at my wife and said, ma'am, you need to leave. And I looked at her and I wasn't sure if I was going to see her again. They rolled me away in this room of isolation. And I was there and I would watch the nurses come into this prep room, and they would put these suits on and masks and gloves, and I'd watch them prep in this isolated room that wouldn't allow any air to get in, and they'd get prepped up. I never saw their faces. They came in every four hours, and they had two IVs in me, and I was on every kind of medication and taking a shot every night and giving me something for my lungs and giving me melatonin and giving me something for my liver. And, and I'll never forget the doctor came in that night, and I was so weak. And I said, Doctor, am I going to get better? And he said, You're a man of religion, right? And I said, Yes, sir. And he said, Well, you better hope for that. And he walked away, and he said, If your oxygen drops, then we've got a problem. Well, a couple of days later, my oxygen dropped. So they rushed in. Oxygen doctor, well, you got to get to ICU. You're, you're, a, you're just getting worse. I said, Doc, just give me a chance. I'll never forget, I, you know, in the hospital, they give you this big water bottle, right? You got this, anybody ever been to the hospital? They got this big water container with ice on it. And I couldn't hold my phone to my ear. You know, I was so weak. So I'd take, that, I'd take the phone and I'd set it up beside the, the hospital, that, that water thing, just like that. And I'd, I'd lean it up on this, and then I'd dial my wife and I had this oxygen in me, I'd lean back and I'd say, (sighs) and she just talked to me, and she said, don't speak, don't speak, and and I'd look at her, I'd say, you're so beautiful, and she'd say, you're so handsome, and I'd say, you're such a liar. (laughs) And and she just talked me through, I saw Jesus in her. I'm convinced a whole lot of people died in the hospital because they died of no hope, just all alone with nothing to live for. And I'm so thankful. Some preachers say, bless God, these cell phones are all of God. Y'all to throw them in there. Listen, this thing, this, the, the, people think they are the devil. This is all of the devil, bless God. Every cell phone ought to be thrown down in the pit of hell. Don't throw mine down there. <laughs> Y'alls might be headed to hell. Mine came from heaven, all right? And uh, I couldn't have any visitors. I didn't have a cell phone. I'd never seen anybody. And I might have given up, and I'm so thankful for my wife and for every one of you that called on the name of God, the prayers of the saints all over the globe. We heard from people that I've never heard from, never met. Somebody said, them Christian people, they're weird. I don't want to be a Christian. You're a Christian. You can't do nothing. You're a Christian. You can't go nowhere. You're a Christian. You don't have no life. Let me tell you something. When you're lying on the bed, you don't need a bunch of people praying to a pope You don't need a bunch of people bowing to the moon. You don't need a bunch of people worshiping some idol. You don't need somebody rubbing some Buddha's belly. You don't need somebody crossing their finger or putting a clover in their pocket. You need somebody who knows how to get a hold of God. Praise his holy name. I ain't even preaching, but I feel like it. uh, God came through for me. And for every one of you that prayed, I'm in your debt. I'm alive because of prayer and I'm committed to prayer. And every morning I'm praying for people because I know what prayer did for me. I'm battling some of this long COVID stuff. So the doctor says I have to be careful in crowds. So that's why I do what I do because I don't want to get sick because I don't want to stop doing what I'm doing. So I appreciate your patience and understanding. I don't have anything against anybody. I'm not allergic to anybody. I'm just scared of getting sick again. For a year and a half I was off the road preaching and I thought I was never going to preach again. Somebody say, amen if you know the devil is a liar, turn to the person beside you and say, the devil is a liar. Now listen, he didn't pick up lying. He didn't pick it up from somebody. He started it. He's the father of lies. And he told me, you never preach again. And he said, if you do, you never preach like you did before and nobody's going to listen. I'll never forget. I was getting ready to, to make the decision to to go back on the road again. I scared it down. I thought I'd go up and sit in this stool. Nobody's going to listen to me. I'm one of these preachers has been running around for years and I've been jumping off of platforms and screaming and yelling and spitting. I used to say to the back row, y'all think I can't spit back there? This is sanctified saliva, you know? And, uh, play with my mind. Play with my mind. And I, I went back to church preaching and I was standing up, trying to stand up, preaching about 10 minutes. That's all I could do. And I was leaning on the pulpit. And uh, my, my blessed wife said, honey, you keep leaning. And she couldn't look. She wouldn't look because I you know, I kind of gasped one time when I was preaching and, and I'm leaning. It looked like hurt. And it, it bothered her to look at me because she was so nervous. So she'd be just glad when I was done. And she, so she said, you know, you ought to put a stool up there. And I said, I'm a grown man. Sit on no stew? What I look like sitting on no stew? Let me tell you, I've been preaching since I was nine years old. I don't need no stew. So I went to pulmonary rehab, and they were working with me. And the therapist said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a preacher. She said, really? Well, my church has not started back. And I said, well, we are. We're just on Sunday mornings. And she said, well, maybe I'll tune into you. And so I gave her the website and gave her a business card. She said, I'll tune in. And that was on a Thursday or Friday. And I went to back to the rehab on a Monday. And I said, how was your weekend? She said, great. How was yours? I said, great. She said, I tuned into your service. I said, praise the Lord. She said, I really enjoyed it. She said, you know, when you preach, you lean on the pulpit like this. She said, you ought to put a stool up there. And I said, you ought to jump in a lake. I didn't say that, but I was thinking, do I get credit for thinking it? All right. And so I went back to my wife and said, guess what the therapist said? She said, I I told you to put a stool up there. And so I talked to the therapist and I talked to my wife and then I talked to my mom and they all three said, you need to put a stool up there. So I took that verse in the Bible, which says it is confirmed under two or three women. All right. And uh, I found out you probably better do it. If two or three women say you ought to do it, especially if one of them is your wife and the other one is your mama. See, I still, I'm still scared of my mama because you ain't never got beat till you get beat by a black woman, all right? <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. They will kill you dead. I mean, they are, they are registered lethal weapons. My mama used to say, I'll beat the devil out of you. I'll tan your hide. I'll kill you and turn myself in. I brought you into this world. I'll take, I kn- my daddy was whooping me one time. My mama said, honey, you ain't getting them good enough. Hold him down, give me the belt, and then black women whoop you in rhythm. I told you. You not to do it, but you did it, bad boy, bad boy. What you gonna do when I'm done beating you? I told you not to do it, but you did it anyway, back. And man, I'm telling you what, I developed asthma getting a whoop, and I said. Huh? Uh, uh, I can't breathe, Mama, I can't breathe. She'd take me in the bathroom and say, well, get your breath, get your breath, get a, get a, get a, get a cold towel on you. Now. Uh, take your time, baby, take your time. You feel better? Yes, ma'am, get your behind back on that bed. I told you not to do it. I mean, my, we got beat for what other kids did, you know what I'm saying? We'd go into the grocery store, and little Johnny'd pick up a candy bar, and mama, his mama said, put it down, and Johnny said, no. And Mama said, Put it down. And Johnny said, No. And she said, Johnny Isaac Johnson, put it down. He said, No. She said, Johnny, I'm going to count to 10 and you better put it down. She said, 1, 2, 3, 4, And Johnny said, 6, 7, 8, 9, and, and, I, and I'm sitting over, I'm over in the aisle next to Johnny and them. And Mama says, What's wrong with your kids today? You don't listen when your parents talking to you. You think you own nothing. You don't pay no rent. You don't pay no mortgage. You try to tell your parents what to do. You pick up candy bars. You don't want to put them down. We tell you to put them down. You start counting with us. You talk back. You're sassy. You're too grown. You're so poor you can't pay attention. I said, mama, my name is Kenny, not Johnny. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) And so she said, put a chair up there. I said, yes, (laughs) ma'am. I may may be living through COVID, but you ain't going to kill me dead. Amen. And so I've been in this chair for over two years, some kind of chair, and I struggled with it, honestly, in my own pride, I thought I was a little embarrassed by it, and my chest tightens up all the time, so it is hard for me to stand still for a while, it starts to pull, it's easier for me to walk than it is to stand, and and COVID has affected my balance a little bit, so walking up without help, so the chair helps me worry about one less thing. God's taught me a lot the last three years. And, you know, you think you know the Lord pretty well. And until he's all you've got. And he's taught me that it's never been my style in the first place. It's always been his substance. And sometimes God has to remove everything from you to remind you he's the one that makes the difference. And I'm blessed. I'm a better man. He's taught me more about him. He's taught me more about myself and he's taught me more about empathy for people. You know, we ride with people in the thick of their trial and when everything that's public gets better, we tend to drop them and we forget that long after we think they're fine, they're carrying a burden. Some have lost a loved one a long time ago and we've gotten over it because we move on but the pain of that loss Sticks with them every day. So I made a vow to God. I was going to ride it out with people. There have been some people I've been praying for every morning for the last three years. One of them recently said to me, I said, Pastor, you could take me off the list. It's been that long. I said, I would if I could. But I made God a promise. And I'm thankful tonight for the people of God that called my name before the Lord. If there's anything I learned, there's the value of a good wife. Every husband in the building tonight, I'll thank God for a good wife every single adult man in the building ought to wait on a good wife. Amen. Let me just tell you without knowing you, let me just tell you, you'd rather go through life wanting something you never had rather than having something you never wanted. Wait on the Lord. Because wives don't come with 30-day return policies. And husbands don't either. That's what's wrong with America. We're rewriting the rules that God hadn't changed. God says, till death, do your part. And I'm thankful for my bride. What a blessing she's been to me, my family, church family. What a blessing they have been. And precious friends, I will publicly say how much I love your pastor. I don't have to tell you this. You're at this church because you already know what I'm getting ready to say. He's the real deal. Real deal. Genuine and authentic to the core. And I'll go to bat for my friends. I'll go to heaven early for my friends. And I'll send somebody early for my friends. (laughs) You say, what if they're not going to heaven? Well, I'll send them somewhere else early. And I'll tell them them the gospel right before they breathe their last breath so at least they can wake up looking at Jesus. But I thank God for good friends. And if you don't have them, you better find you some. Because there will be a day when you need them. And you're going to find out who's who when you go through your valley. Some people are too cute to go down in the valley with you. They don't want to get dirty. I found out people promise you everything, but what they think they're going to have to give you. Boy, I tell you what, man, come rain or shine, I'm with you. They're just hoping it never rains or shines. I'll take a bullet for you. As soon as somebody's shooting, they're gone. Thank God for people that'll ride it out with you. Your pastor is one of those people. And so I'm humbled and honored to be here. I appreciate the Bible Baptist Church. I want to thank you for the room, the comfortable, clean room that you have allowed me to stay in tonight. And I want to thank you for the wonderful meal, Pastor, the opportunity to fellowship with you, your dear family, and for your friendship. There is nothing in the world that I wouldn't do for you, your family, or this church. And up in the nation's capital, capital where there's a whole lot of stuff, I want you to know 5811 Hoffman's Lane, Bayless Crossroads, Virginia. The physical address of Crossroads Baptist Church. There is a body of believers and a pastor that is for you. And I trust that God continues to do a work in this church for his glory and for your good. Chasten is with me. Chasten grew up in our church and has been dear to me and my family for a long time. I would say he helped drive coming down here, but he didn't. But his snoring is enough to keep me awake, and I, so I love him, and he, he really would take a bullet for me, and he and his precious wife and children are, are there at Crossroads Baptist Church, and they're like family to us, and I'm so glad that he's here. Uh, trips like this, especially now, are, it's a help to me to have somebody, this body stiffens up, Somebody said, "How you feel?" I said, "I feel like an old man." I I found out that Jesus is coming back before I get real old, and because He's doing that, He wants me to feel what it's like to be old before He comes back. So He's let me in on it. I used to laugh at old people walking in the mall. I said, "Look at them old people. Who in the world gonna come to the mall to walk? Bunch of old people walking the mall. Guess who walks in the mall now? And guess who's passing me? The old people. All right." So COVID has made me apologize for a whole lot of stuff. You don't know what people are going through. Don't put your foot in your mouth. Just pray and ask God to give a heart for people. And uh, I told the church I'm on a mission. Here it is. Loving God and loving people. Nothing else matters. And I'm I'm on an endeavor, Pastor, to find the areas of my life that don't fit into one or two of those categories. And if they don't, I'm trying to eliminate them. We're so stuck on stuff. We're so busy. We're so active. We're so stressed about stuff that we miss what life's really about. Loving God, loving people, nothing else matters. Take your Bibles tonight and open them to the book of Exodus chapter 21. And if your body will let you, would you stand to your feet for the reading of God's word? Exodus chapter number 21. How many are thankful for the Bible? God's holy. Aren't you glad we aren't here guessing at something to say tonight? We got the word of God. It works. Right. Exodus chapter number 21. Now these are the judgments which thou shalt set before them. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, six years he shall serve, and in the seventh he shall go out for free for nothing. If he came in by himself, he shall go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master have given him a wife, and she have borne him sons and daughters, the wife and her children shall be a masters, and he shall go out by himself. And if the servant shall plainly say, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him unto the judges. He shall also bring him to the door. Or unto the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl. And he shall serve him forever. Let the church say amen. Our Father, I pray now that you would add blessing to the reading of your word, for it is already blessed. I pray as your vessel tonight that you would cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Help me to preach with us, saith the Lord. Now God, you know my heart. There are hundreds of sermons that I could preach tonight, but God, I don't want to preach a sermon. I want to preach your message for Bible Baptist Church. The members of this church did not work all day. They did not not drive tonight. They did not sacrifice a Tuesday night to hear just some preacher wax eloquent God in these last days. We need a word from the Lord. So God help me. I have nothing to offer anybody tonight that will help them, but I know that you do. So, God, I pray, God, that you'd cleanse me of sin, empty me of self, and fill me with your spirit. Use me. Help me to be a blessing. I thank you for everyone that's here tonight. Now, up the road about seven hours tonight, I beg you to watch over my wife and my family while I'm gone. And may tomorrow I arrive back to them as safe and sound as they were this morning when I left. Now, in these moments, do what you do, and we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Thank you so much for standing. (laughs) Nowadays, if you work a job for any length of time, you've got to be looking forward to retirement. I wonder how many in the building would happily admit tonight you are Retired? Would you put your hand up? You are retired. Look around the building, everybody else. Those that have their hands up, even this young man right here who looks about seven or eight years old. That, I, mean, that, that, I mean, that's my hero right there. Yeah. These folks that have their hand up that are retired, in essence, they're saying they do what they want to do. They have put in their time. And those of you that are retired can remember when you were counting down the days to retirement. There are those in my church who are saying to me, Pastor, three years, I'm retired. Two years, I'm retired. Some of them are a year or so from retirement. I remember when they were counting down, six months from retirement, three months from retirement. Pastor, I'm one month out to, from retirement. And when you get that close, you just use sick days and retire right then, right? And, and I can look at the, the, the glisten in their eyes and the excitement for the day that the alarm clock doesn't go off. They get up when they want to. They sleep in if they feel like it. They go to work when they want. Now, you got the honeydew do list, but that's a whole different story, right? But retirement, the day when nobody tells me what to do, nobody tells me where to go, nobody orders my life around, nobody sets my schedule, nobody approves whether I get off, nobody decides whether I come in, nobody decides whether I can have this policy approved or not. When you work a job, you report to somebody. When you work a job, you've got somebody telling you what to do. When you work a job, you've got a boss. When you work a job, you don't have freedom. Everybody's looking for freedom. And yet in Exodus chapter 21, we're witnessing through the help of the Holy Spirit of God, somebody who has freedom at his disposal, watch this now, and turns it down. Now I'm looking at this guy tonight and I'm asking, what's wrong with you? I'm, from the moment you started working, you're looking forward to the day you stopped working. From the moment you began this job, you're looking forward to the day when you're free of this job. From the moment you got a master, you're looking forward to the day you don't have a master. And the law says in the seventh year, you can go out free. Now, you've been longing, you've been looking, you've been desiring, you've been anticipating, you've been waiting, you've been counting down the days, you've been looking at the calendar, and here it is. The seventh year has come. Your day of freedom, your opportunity to walk away, your chance never to have a master again, your freedom that's in your grasp, your choice to take advantage of it. Nobody's going to stop you. Nobody's going to force you. Nobody's going to demand anything of you. You can walk away, do what you do, and it's up to you. And yet Exodus chapter 21 says, here's a fella who can but instead says these words, I will not. Go out free. So tonight, i like to talk to this fellow. My wife says to me, you just say whatever's on your mind, don't you? I say, yeah, honey, I say whatever's on everybody else's mind too. <laughs> so I'm, I'm thinking about this guy tonight. I'm thinking, man, what's wrong with you? You, you can do what you want to do you can go where you want to go. You can say what you want to say. You can act how you want to act. You can carry your life how you want to carry your life and you turn it down. I think this fella would say tonight, yeah, there's been something about where I'm working. There's been something about the life I've discovered. I found myself a spot. I found myself a situation. I found myself an experience. Yeah, I can go. Yeah, the choice is up to me to go. Yeah, everybody says the law allows me freedom, but I ain't trying to be free. something I've found where I'm working that I'm going to stay there forever. Now think about us tonight. Every single one of us is living in a country where we have freedoms. Aren't you glad that while we're sitting in a building on a Tuesday night that there's nobody outside with a gun threatening us if we come in here to church? Aren't you glad that we have the freedom and the liberty to come? Aren't you glad we got the freedom to read this Bible? The freedom to worship Almighty God. Aren't you glad we had the freedom to raise our children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, hey, listen every once in a while if you don 't thank God for freedom you 'll take it for granted. Somebody give God the praise tonight that we have freedom and the joy to have freedom aren 't you glad that if you know the lord jesus christ you 've got freedom in Jesus from the bondage of sin but here 's the problem: some of us are so free from sin we don 't want to be we, we want the freedom to not have to serve and i 'm perplexed i 'm bothered i 'm perturbed to bother to borrow the preacher 's word. The <laughs> I'm perturbed at how many believers want to be so free from sin that they even want to be free from the Savior. They want to do what they want to do, go where they want to go, live how they want to live. They don't want God telling them what to do. They don't want God calling the shots. They don't want the Bible directing their life. They don't want the Holy Spirit leading. They want to be able to do what they want to do, go where they want to go, act how they want to act. They want their freedom. I'm telling you what America needs if we're going to turn back around to Almighty God need some men, women, boys and girls right sitting here tonight on a Tuesday night in the Bible Baptist Church, Simpsonville, South Carolina. By the way, I didn't come here to preach at Crossroads. That's where I preached yesterday. I didn't come here to preach at where I'm going to be next week. I'll be there next week. I came here to preach right here at Bible Baptist Church, Simpsonville, South Carolina. How many you know that God is so observant, so nosy? He knows your business. Come on now. How many know that God knows what's going on in your family, what's going on in your mind, what's going on in your past, what's going on in your background? He knows your problems. He knows your sickness. He knows your body. He knows your bills. He knows your account. He knows everything about you. And God can take a man you've never met before, send him down I-85 and give you the message just right for you because God is all up in your business. Amen? Amen. And I'll tell you what America needs. I'll tell you what our churches need. It needs some men, women, and boys and girls that said, I could be free. I could do what I want to do. I could wake up every day, live how I want to live, cuss how I want to cuss, drink how I want to drink, party how I want to party, lust how I want to lust, and nobody can control my life. But I've discovered something about the Christian life that's so good, so grand, so gracious, and so great that although freedom is at my disposal, I'll turn down freedom and instead decide to be faithful because I will not go out free. So I want to interview this guy tonight. I want to ask him, what got you staying there, man? What what, what got you staying with that master? What what, what got you staying on that job? What got you committed to stay there when you had the right to be free? I think, number one, if he were here tonight and answering the question, why did you not choose your freedom? Why did you stay and be faithful? I think this fellow would say, reason number one why I will not go out free, I have an incredible master. Can I get an amen? I have... Look at Exodus 21. He says, "I." He would say, "I have a, an incredible fellow." Ma- fellow, tell us about that master tonight. Just, just tell us what he did that was so great for you that would keep you serving him even though you have the right not to. I think that fellow would say he made an eager pursuit of me. Look at Exodus chapter 21, verse number two. If thou buy an Hebrew servant, listen now. It doesn't say the servant went looking for the master. See, the master had to go looking for the servant. How many of you know that the servant was locked down and locked up and the servant couldn't go looking for a master. The master had to come looking for the servant. I I think that that servant would say he made an eager pursuit of me. I think that servant would say he made an expensive purchase of me. He bought me. Watch this now. Servants, I ain't just show up because I wanted to. I showed up because somebody saw value in me that I didn't see in myself. I think he'd say he made an eager pursuit of me. He made an expensive purchase of me. I think he'd say he gives extensive. Provisions to me Now watch this now, you notice in the text That once the the servant Comes in, he gets to live with The master, he gets to stay with the master He gets family from the master He gets fortune, I think that Fellow would say, when I got To the master's house, I got Adequate food, Um, come on now How many of you here tonight know that That servant ate good with the master I think that servant would say, I've got an abundant fortune I got somewhere somewhere to live with the master I think that servant would say, I got an amazing Amazing family. I got my wife and thus my children from my master. And I think that fellow would say, I got awesome fulfillment. Look, look, look. I think he'd say, It feels good working for my master. It feels good living with my master. It feels a hey, life with the master is a good life. Now wish listen, I wish some of you say amen because you know what I'm finna say. Amen. Listen to me. If you're saved tonight, you got a good master. I said if you're saved tonight You have a good master You say what's so good about my master He made an eager pursuit of you Scarcely for a righteous man some would die Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die But God commended his love toward us In that while we were yet sinners Christ died for us For God so loved the world That he gave his only begotten son That whosoever believeth in him should not perish But have everlasting life God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world But that the world through him might be saved And he is the propitiation for us sins, and not by our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world. There is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself a ransom for all. Behold what manner of love the Father bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. He came into his own, but his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. He, speaking of the Father, hath made him, speaking of the Son, to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. If I'm talking too fast and I'm saying verses you've never heard let me put it to you plain and simple when you couldn't find Jesus Jesus came and found you when you couldn't locate Jesus Jesus located you when you were walling around in the muck and mire of the and sin drowning in debauchery and depravity when there wasn't a rose red enough there wasn't a lamb white enough there wasn't a man good enough God sent forth his son made of a woman made under the law to redeem them that were under the law that we might receive the adoption of I'm trying to tell you the next Next time you're trying to walk away from God Walk away from church Walk away from the Bible Just remember when nobody wanted you Jesus did He said he made an eager pursuit of me He made an expensive purchase of me Peter said for as much as you know You are not redeemed with corruptible things As silver and gold from the vain conversation Received by tradition of your fathers But with the precious blood of Christ As a lamb without blemish and without spot What know ye not your body Is the temple of the Holy Ghost Which is in you which you have of God And ye not your own For ye are bought with a price therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit which are God's all we like sheep have gone astray we have turned every one to our own way and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all he was wounded for our transgressions he was bruised for our iniquities the chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes he are healed you weren't bought with baptismal water you weren't bought with silver and gold you weren't bought with your pedigree you weren't bought with your church name you weren't bought with your family background you were bought with the shed blood of Jesus Christ, he made an an expensive purchase of you, an eager pursuit of you, and he's given extensive provisions to you. Aren't you glad? that when you live with the master, you eat good. Come on now. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to thy word? With my whole heart have I sought thee. Oh, let me not wonder from thy commandments. Thy word have I hid my heart that I might not sin against God. The law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. More to be desired are they than gold, yea, than much fine gold. Sweeter also than honey, than the honeycomb. More by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then thou shalt make the way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. The grass withered, the flower fadeth, but the word of God shall endure forever. The word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. forever O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven and in earth. Oh, how I love thy law. It is my meditation all the day long. Therefore I esteem all thy precepts to be right concerning all things, and I hate every false way. The word of God shall not return void, but shall accomplish that for which it was accomplished. Sanctify the by thy truth for thy word is true no scripture came by private interpretation but holy men of God as they were moved by the spirit all scriptures given by the instruction of God and it's profitable for doctrine for reproof for correction for instruction and in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect truly furnished unto so all good work that ribeye was good tonight them french fries were good tonight them ribs were good tonight Chick-fil-A is good every day it'd be good on Sunday if they were open too but I'm telling you ain't nothing as good as the B-I-B-L-E yes that's the book for me I stand alone On the word of God, the Bible. We try to take it out of schools, we try to take it out of public places, but from cover to cover, it's still the bestseller. You can't get two dudes to agree on much of anything, but God took 40 different men over a 1,600 period time and produced a manuscript that's inspired, infallible, and inerrant. Find me a book that is altogether perfect, prophetic, preserved, probing, profitable, powerful, potent, precious, piercing, penetrating perfecting and precious all at the same time. You can go out there in the world and run behind the devil if you want to, but ain't nobody gonna feed you like Jesus does. I've got amazing food. I've got an abundant fortune. The riches of his grace, all oh, the blessings of God that God gives me. I've got an amazing, f- listen to me. If you've got a good wife, God gave her to you. If you've got a good husband, God gave them to you. If you've got children, God gave them to you. Listen to me. The next time you're going to walk away from your master, just remember he's giving you adequate food, abundant fortune, an amazing family, and awesome fulfillment. Ain't no sleep better than the sleep knowing that you work for the right master. Think about it before you walk away. Young people, think about it. Think about it for, for the devil makes the pleasures of sin look good for a season. Well, the songwriter said, I've been lied on, cheated, talked about, mistreated. I've been buked at, scorned, run down, sure as you're born. I've been up, down, and almost to the ground, but as long as I got King Jesus, I don't need nobody else. I think this fellow would say I have an incredible master. Secondly, I think this fellow would say I I have an intense motivation. Sincere devotion. He He says, if the servant shall plainly say, Wow, this is a sincere devotion and a stated declaration. Watch this now. The servant said, I, I make no bones about it. I ain't leaving. This is a sensible decision. Look at, look at verse number three. If he came in by himself, he should go out by himself. If he were married, then his wife should go out with him. Look at verse four. If his master have given him a wife and she had borne him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters and he shall go out by himself. Let me break it down to you, pretty simple. Here's what the rule was. You're trying to leave, go ahead with your bad self. But here's the rule. You can only take with you what you had when you came. Let me say that again, because that's worthy of a few more grunts. If you leave, you can only take with you what you had when you came. Now listen, I hate to break it to you, servant, but when you showed up, you didn't have nothing. So if you want to walk away from the God that gave you everything, you might lose everything walking away. Listen to me. The next time you want to walk away from Jesus, just remember when you met him, you had nothing. Come on, somebody say amen tonight. When you met him, you had nothing. He reached down and saved your soul. This fellow says, I shall plainly say. Here, people say, I serve God because I have faith. I serve God because one day I'm going to have streets of gold and gates of pearls. I serve God. It will be worth it all. Let me tell you something. You serve God because of heaven, and I'm telling you it's worth serving God right here on earth. I don't just serve God because it's spiritual. I serve God because it's sensible. It makes sense to serve God. Oh. It's a sacrificial determination. I think this fellow would say I have an incredible master. And this fellow would say I have an intense motivation. And then lastly, let him finish. And this fellow would say I'm willing to take an identifying Mark. Come on, church. I found out a lot of people serve Jesus till it's time to get marked. The Bible says, if the servant will say, verse number five, I will not. This is an owned prerogative. Here's what I'm saying. Not one time in the text do you see the master going up to the servant and putting a bow and arrow to his head. You say, I know what the law says, but I'm going to tell you right now. The moment you leave the property, I'm going to shoot you dead. Nobody forces him to stay. Watch this now. I said this is an owned prerogative. N- nobody forces him to stay. Look, look what it, verse number five says. If he shall plainly say, I love my master, I love my wife, I love my children, I will not. What makes you stay, fella, with freedom in front of you? There's only one thing that makes you stay when nobody's forcing you to stay. You got to love your master. I've known, I've known people that walked away from God from a good position. I've known people that walked away from God having grown up in church. I've known people that walked away from God having roots tied in the church. I've known people that walked away from God that had all their friendships in the church. I've known pastors that had great ministries that walked away from God and from their family. But I've never known a quitter on God who truly loves his master. And the only way I can tell you that 10 years from now, I'll still be serving God if from the soles of my feet to the crown of my head, I've made up my mind it's not about the perks. It's not about signing Bibles. It's not about preaching out. It's not about social media hits. There's got to be something that consumes me in the depths of my soul that says, regardless of what the world does, what family does, what fame says, what fortune says, I love my master. I'm asking you tonight, do you love him? I'm not asking you if you come to church. I'm not asking you if you carry a Bible. I'm asking you if you love him. It's an over, nobody can make you serve God. You can leave, listen, you can come to church all five Tuesdays in the month of August, but it's really not about just showing up. It's about when you leave here, will you get up in the morning and open your Bible and walk with this God and talk with this God? Will you stand for him? Will, Will you testify for him? Will you stand with him when others don't? Will you be different in a world that wants to be alike like the devil? Will you determine, I love my master. He's been too good to me to walk away. It's an own prerogative. Okay. You make the decision. You owned your own prerogative. You're staying because you want to. Not because I made you. God ain't going to make you serve him. He's a gentleman. So the own prerogative leads to open publicity because the text tells us after he said, I will not go out free, verse 6, then his master shall bring him into the what? To the judge. Him. Now, when he says, I will not go out free, who's he talking to? He's talking to the master, one-on-one. It'd be very easy to make this little inconspicuous, private, confidential declaration. Hey, master, I love you. You love me. But we don't have to tell nobody. Look, look, look. you know I love you I know you love me nobody else has to know about this you know what I'm finding out a lot of Christians like that God know I love him and I know God loves me what really matters let me tell you you do not have a closet religion I wish in 2023 some Christians would break out of the witness protection plan and let the world know I love my master I know some teenagers that tell him on Sunday they love him. But they won't tell their friends on Monday they love him. Right. So the master says, oh, 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 for real? You for real about loving me? Let's go, let, let's go declare it in the judge's court. You know what needs to happen? We need some Christians that will leave this service tonight and say, we ain't just going to praise him during the song service at Bible Baptist. We're going to let the world know out there tomorrow we love our master. All our social media friends going to know I'm a Christian. We go up in the restaurant, they're going to know we're Christians. We're gonna bow our head. You go to that public school in the fall, and everybody else picks the pizza up and eats it without thinking about it, and you got to bow your head. Don't do one of them Christian undercover prayers. Drop your napkin down on the ground, bow down. Dear God bless the food in Jesus' name, amen. Pick your head up. Listen to me. If they're not ashamed about their sin, if they're not ashamed about their vulgarity, if they're not ashamed about their immorality, somebody ought not be of ashamed of a master who's been that good. Mm-hmm open. I wonder how many servants about this time said, I wasn't really planning on, on, on the judge thing. Like I thought we could just kind of just keep this on the down low. You're not a good Christian if you're the only one that knows. Let me say that again. See if the rest of y'all are joining us on that amen right there. You're not a good Christian if you're the only one that knows. Open publicity. Well, we've been down to the judge's court. It's it's public record now. Listen to me, Christian. For some of us, the best thing we could do is put ourselves on record as being a Christian. I don't want to go up in that job and tell them I'm a Christian. They might look at me funny. No, they might think twice before they ask you to go out and do something wicked. Just, Just set it straight when you get in there. Hi, I'm new on the job. Nice to meet you. Oh, nice to meet you. I'm a Christian. I love Jesus, and I ain't involved in no foolishness. Listen to me. You're going to cut some of them invitations out, and you won't have to make a decision for God. It'll be made when you put yourself on record. But wait now. After own prerogative and open publicity, then the master says, okay, come over here. Come on, come over here. Oh, and bring your ear with you. (laughs) Now let's take a hammer and a sharp instrument. Let's put a hole in your ear. Let's mark you. Now, I'm wondering right about now how many servants said, you know, I was okay with that prerogative. And I was, a, I was somewhat okay with that publicity. But what you trying to do to my ear? Now, listen, come on, now, let's, let's, come on. Church the wrong place to be faking, ain't it? <laughs> let's just be honest tonight. Some of us have avoided areas of consecration because they hurt. Come on. We've taken the more convenient Christian way. We've all been guilty of it. It's been easier to just kind of not be as dedicated. Huh? Hey, hey, listen. You know what America needs to see? Some marked Christians. <laughs> now look, you can spot them. You can spot, you can spot a marked Christian. They just got a hole in their ear. You can't miss it. I was a single man and everybody was trying to give me the hook up including my daddy then I'd go preach at churches and they'd all say hey brother Baldwin we're glad to have you we got somebody for you I found I was a church of 600 with one black girl in it (laughs) and they just knew she was for me I said God got somebody for her it just ain't me All right. (laughs) And we took a trip down to Laverne, Alabama. I had never been to Laverne. I ain't never been back to Laverne. (laughs) I was in Laverne once. And I still don't know where Laverne is. But I was there that March in Laverne. And a family from Georgia walked in. And the man got up, the preacher, his wife, and said, My family's going to sing. And their daughter was standing right up there in the middle with a good voice. And she started singing. You say, what was she singing? I don't care. (laughs) I don't know. As far as I'm concerned, she could have been singing, I believe I can fly. I'd have believed her. (laughs) They invited me over to the house. A couple months later, I was back there in Georgia. They kept showing up. She's a stalker. (laughs) Pastor said, Come over to my house for ribs. (laughs) I said, Ribs? (laughs) How can you turn down ribs? One preacher said, You know Adam wasn't a black man because you can never get a rib from him. All right? (laughs) So, So we love ribs. We love ribs. Somebody said, yes, he was, because God had to put him to sleep to take it. But anyway, uh, I said, her, my wife, she just shakes her head. She just, she just we went over the house, pastor. And I sit down with her daddy eating and I watched her. She's in the house. She's in the kitchen helping her mom out. She's. Helping around the house, she had a great spirit about her, attitude. No abrasiveness. There was was an innocence about her. She talked to her parents with respect. She worked with the teenagers in her church. She, She led the teen choir in her church. She had a Bible all marked up because she got up and read it every day. She had kept herself pure. Listen, I'm not telling... Listen, if you've lost your purity, God can still use you. I'm not trying to badmouth you. Listen to me. Aren't you glad he's the God of second chances? I, I'm just telling you for me, I was looking for a wife and there were all kinds of girls out there that were... But there was something about that woman in Laverne. She had a hole in her ear. You could tell. She... She had stepped away from, from the world and kept herself pure. She made up her mind as a teenager to serve God. And there was a glow on her. And nearly 20, chasing nearly 25 years later, I could, I could lie on a hospital bed barely breathing and look through the, through the channels of a cell phone and see that same glow. Let me tell you something. There's something about a mark for Jesus that stands out. And I'm asking you tonight are you marked? We'll, we'll take a mark for our team. We'll take a mark. There are Some Christians are more dedicated to Republicans or Democrats than they are to Jesus. Just, just bring it up and see how passionate they get. Then you talk about Jesus, they have no words. Obvious pain and then occupational permanence. He shall serve him forever. Me and we were talking earlier, and the pastor was talking about his last week, and we as preachers can identify with especially summertime. Summertime, when conferences happen, there's a lot of youth meetings, and a lot of people are out of school, and it's a chance And some of us preachers will will run ourselves ragged because we know that there's a window of time in the summer with these teenagers when we have them, and the is so short, and so I was riding down the road one of those weeks ago, and this, this body doesn't feel like it used to feel, so... I was in the car and I was by myself. I didn't have anybody going that week and it wasn't because nobody volunteered. I just decided I was going to do it. I was driving like you've probably driven sometime. And I was thinking about the schedule. I was like, okay, I'm going here and then from here, I'm going here. From here, I'm going here. And from here, I'm going here. And and I looked out the window and I started looking at some mountains and the thought came to my mind. Who put them there? God. And I started thinking about my life. I thought, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I thought to myself, God, I'm in all the way. Look, look, I must tell you, folks, you know, they say don't put all your eggs in one basket. Not all there. They're all there. If God's not real, I'm toasted. He's 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 all I have. All my friends, you know, we go out of town, and we look for somebody to keep our kids, they're all Christian. Everybody praying me through, they're all Christian. He's all I have. You know, you gotta get your point, get yourself to a point where. You serve God and you don't have a contingency plan. It's him or it's nothing. And some of you say, yeah, but, but what if? There are no what ifs with God. He is. And so there's a little gathering at the home that night maybe. And maybe the woman that's married to this man in Exodus 21 is is huddled at night at the dining room table. And she says to her three children, five, three, and one, come on, kids. Let's hold our hands and pray. Mommy, why are we praying? Why are we praying for? Well, you all don't understand it, but seven years ago, daddy came to work for the boss. And the rules say, If he wants to, today, he can leave. Oh, mommy, daddy's not leaving, is he? Well, if he wants to. Y'all, let's pray he comes home. Can you see that mama and those three children praying together he comes home? I just want you to picture. Now I want you to picture a few moments after the prayer the sound of that door opening. And I want you to picture that man walking in that kitchen and those children running up and grabbing his legs and say, Daddy, you came home. And and Mama stands up and says, Honey, I'm so glad you're home. And he looks at his wife and he looks at his kids and says, there was never any other thought. I love my master. I love my wife. I love my children. I will not go out free. And yet you've counseled them. You've counseled the men that gave up a marriage for some floozy. The teenagers that gave up a good life for the pleasures of sin. The young ladies that gave up a godly husband for some fling. The families that gave up a good church for some free place where no one will preach the truth. Can I ask you a question? Are they really free? So tonight I want us to look in. Me too. You say, you're preaching. Yeah, me too. I'm preaching, me too. All the way in the back over there. And all the way across over there. And all the way up front in the cross. Here's what I'm asking you. Make a choice tonight. Free or Faithful. It's your choice. It's not the pastor's choice. He got to choose for himself. It's not my choice. I got to choose for me. It's not your parents, not your spouse. And if you're looking for reasons to be faithful and turn down freedom, let me give you three. You have an incredible master. An intense motivation. And you should be able to take Identifying Mark. Our Lord and our God, help us. I pray.